Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I'm so excited to read another impact letter from my call for lessons learned from Edit Your Life this past fall. This listener writes, Hi, Christine. I have been a listener since 2015 when I was a graduate student who had just become a mom and felt like I just couldn't do this big, scary, complex adult thing. The first episode I'd listened to was about finding the small times in your day and building in joy and stillness. I've loved so many of your conversations with Asha and guests, but I have to say that I am the adult I am today because of this one thing you put out into the world. I am now a mom of two and a college professor, and my days have only gotten more challenging and complex, but they are also filled with joy, reflection, and many tiny moments of gratitude. Thank you so much for always being a calm, compassionate voice in my weekly routine, and from one emotional robot to another, you are incredible. All my love, Adrian, Redmond, Washington. Wow, Adrian, thank you for this incredible gift of a letter. I'm especially humbled by this line. I'm the adult I am today because of this one thing you put into the world. Thank you. Reading Adrian's note about how important it is to find the small times in your day and build in joy and stillness immediately made me think about an episode that I have been wanting to bring back from the archive. This interview with Jessica Turner was the eighth original episode of Edit Your Life, and it turns out it was also our very first guest interview. It was originally recorded and published in 2015 when Jessica's book, The Fringe Hours, was published. So given that Adrian was a listener from the very beginning in 2015, it really felt like all signs were pointing to pairing, bringing this episode out of the archive with Adrian's wonderful letter. As is the case for many of us, including Adrian, Jessica's life has changed a lot in the last eight years since this conversation went live. But the threads and tenets about time and finding fulfillment in tiny pockets of time, setting boundaries, and getting past the shoulds are just as powerful and relevant now. I will link these episodes up in the notes, but I also want to refer you to two other great listens related to this conversation. The first is Making Time for What Matters with time specialist Laura Vanderkam. This was such a wonderful conversation, and I took some immediate action points on how to change and evaluate my time after that conversation. And then one of the very first episodes in this catalog, Serendipity Space. I hope you enjoy this conversation and that it will not only inspire you to claim space and time in your life, but use that space to beautiful effect. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oftentimes, when asked to think about what one would do with a bonus hour, people reference things like exercise, play, and rest. These are all super important things, and I would recommend adding getting the support you need and deserve to your list. As a mom, independent business owner, and human blessed with many relationships, I spend a lot of time giving— 
So one of the greatest gifts of therapy for me has been the ability to know that someone is holding space for and listening to me. No filter required. I adjust my session frequency as needed, and it is a huge comfort knowing support is there for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. This online therapy platform was designed to remove the traditional barriers to therapy and make mental health care more accessible to everyone. Simply fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days, I take Hyacera every morning with my first glass of water, and like all of the Ritual products I have tried, the capsule actually smells good. Ritual's products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp., which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Welcome, Jessica. Hey there. Thanks so much for having me. I'm sure you get a lot of questions about how you do it all, that kind of dreaded question. We'll, we'll get to that. But first, I just, you know, for people who aren't familiar, I wanted you to just explain what this term means. What are, what are the fringe hours? Well, the whole genesis of the book the fringe hours came about because people were asking me that question, Christine, how do you do it all? How are you finding time to scrapbook and work full time and parent kids and blog and be a wife and all of that? And the answer was the fringe hours, which are those pockets of time that often go underused or wasted altogether. I really maximize those times to do the things that I love. Um, And so in the book, we go through the process of how do you identify those bits of time in your own life? And how do you then use them for good? Um, Not so that you're doing more, but so that you're being more, that you're happier, that you're more fulfilled, that you're more alive when you're pouring into yourself and doing those things that you love. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very tempting when, if you only have 10 minutes, for example, to just say, oh, I'll just, who knows what, you know? Right, Um, right. And and 10 minutes actually is, is a useful little chunk of time that you can turn into something. Absolutely. In in the book, I did a lot of research. Um, I researched um, by doing surveys and doing one-on-one interviews. And um, the survey that I conducted, more than 2,000 women responded about how they spend their time, what their challenges are, what their passions are, what they wish that they could do if they had more time. And the number one thing that women wished that they could do was read. And I thought that was so interesting when you couple that with the fact that on average, Americans wait 45 to 60 minutes a day. And reading is probably one of the easiest things that you can do while you mm-hmm. wait, you know? Mm-hmm. And so 
rather than scrolling on your iPhone, why not turn on your Kindle app on your iPhone and read that book that you've been wanting to read? And those little 10 minute fringe hour increments really add up. And all of a sudden you're reading, you know, an extra book or two books or five books a month just by using that bit of time. It's it's totally true. I, I actually this um, past summer, I became obsessed with our, I'm, I've always been a big fan of public libraries. I mean, they're an amazing resource. But this summer, I ended up taking my girls every single week to the library, except when we were on vacation. And I just found that I was also getting excited to take out a lot of books for myself. And I would find those little fringe hours or fringe minutes. And it's just such a little gift when I can find 10 secret minutes to, <laughs> to, to work on you know, work on a book. It's just so awesome. I love it. And I do think that with a library, you're also motivated because you have a due date, right? Yes. And so you have to finish that book. Yes. Yes, totally. Um, so I want to come back to the research, actually. Um, as you know, I'm a former researcher, neuroscientist by training. And so my inner nerd got very excited when I read your book <laughs> because, you know, it's rooted in research. Again, I, one might ask the question, how on earth did you have time to do 2000 sur surveys and all these individual interviews? But be that as it may, I would love to tell you, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about some of those key findings. You mentioned the, the book thing, but um, what Tell us more about, you know, what are what are women saying? What are, what have they said about making time for themselves or why that's hard to do? Sure. Well, when I set out to do the survey, I did it because I didn't just want the fringe hours to be my story. I really wanted it to reflect women of all stages of life, married, single kids, no kids from all over the country. And so I thought the survey would help me do that. But planned that the book would really just dive right into telling you how to find your time. Mm -hmm. and how to maximize it and um, identifying your passions and that sort of thing. But after I conducted the survey, I realized a huge component of the book was missing. And that was why women don't make time for themselves. I had 500 pages of responses from women about the challenges that they face, feelings of guilt and comparison and struggling for balance and all of these reasons why they weren't making time for themselves. And so the whole first section of the fringe hours is actually the section I get the most feedback on. And it's because it deals with those feelings of guilt, of comparison, of how do you mm -hmm. find balance and what does that look like and overcoming those things so that then when you get to part two of the book, you're in a place where you're at least a little more comfortable with saying, OK, yes, I matter. I need to make this time. Now, how do I do it in my life? Mm hmm. It's. It's kind of crazy, um, and I was really honored when you asked me to, you know, read the book and do a little blurb. I was just delighted to do that. But there are just so many intersections between the fringe hours and minimalist parenting. You know, Ash and I talk a lot in our book about this crippling nature of guilt and comparison. So, you know, because this podcast is really about editing your life to make it better, uh, I was wondering if you had a key piece of advice um, for how to work on editing guilt and comparison out of your life. Yeah, I think those are two different things. Um, but with both of them um, come saying no mm. or not doing something. Mm -hmm. um, so for guilt, a lot of people felt guilt in that they felt like they should be doing something. They should be volunteering for the school bake sale or they should be teaching a Sunday school class. Um, and these should be's. Um, made them feel guilty if they said no. So they did it, even though it didn't bring them joy. It just brought them stressed. It, it took time away from their busy schedules to do these things. Um, I like to say that if it isn't a 
heck yes, that it's a no. Because <laughs> I use another word, but that that idea of yes, I'm fully in, this is something I would love to do, then you need to say no. Yeah. And I think the more often you practice that, the easier it becomes and the less guilty you feel when you say no. Um, sometimes I think that women feel like because something is a good thing, they have to do it. Um, but just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a good thing for right now at this exact moment in your life. Um, I know for our family, I recently shared with you and a group of our friends that we were supposed to go on vacation this weekend. We were going to go yes. to the Smoky Mountains nice. and um, I've really been looking forward to it. It's been planned since the spring. Well, I've had a couple speaking engagements come up. Um, we're going to the beach in October for my son's fall break. And then my husband is actually going to be traveling for work for nearly a month. And so wow. this Smoky Mountain trip that was supposed to be this fun little two-day fall trip to the mountains was really feeling just like a burden. Mm -hmm. And coupled with the fact that my eight-month-old has not been sleeping well and the thought of all five of us being in a hotel room didn't feel like a vacation either. My <laughs> husband and I came to the realization that, you know what? Well, this is a good thing. It's not good for us right now. Yeah. And we need to reschedule this. We need to say no um, to going to the Smoky Mountains this weekend. Um, yeah. No and for right now, but perhaps no, later. Exactly. <laughs> when exactly. sleeping is happening. Instead <laughs> of feeling like guilty or guilty that like, oh, my kids are missing out. We told them we were going to the mountains and now we're not like they're kids. Like they'll get over it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I think just, learning to say no and recognizing in your spirit when, gosh, this doesn't feel right. I don't think this makes sense for me right now, or this is feeling stressful. That, that is your soul saying this is not good right now, or you are being guilted into this. Maybe you need to say no, or not even, you know, pursue it in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then also with comparison, comparison, I think for a lot of women is rooted in what they're seeing in social media. Or oh, that yeah. is amplifying it tenfold. You're seeing the photos on Facebook, you're looking at Instagram, or you're watching the Periscope videos or whatever it is. And then you're comparing that small slice of life to what your life sh should look like. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think turning off the social media, not you know taking those apps off your phone or recognizing if there's certain people that really bring up those feelings of comparison and maybe unfollowing them. Mm -hmm. And then you make the choice to go look at their profile. All of those types of things, those small little changes can really make a huge difference in people's stories. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And um, it's funny in one of the other episodes, well, I, first I should say, I think it's so important to realize like with your forthcoming trip that, even if you say no, it doesn't mean no forever. You you can come back to it. You can come back to that thing. And, and that's really important to remember because I, I think people feel really rooted in the right now and it, it can really trip you up. And then I was sort of laughing, you know, to myself um, because in a previous episode, one of our, one of my tips was to say, um, say no to things you're meh about and in right. favor of like saying some yes to something you're yay about. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and it, it really, but it really is true. I mean, I feel like um, there was this funny anecdote actually we shared in the book um, about my brother-in-law, who's a great baker. He um, he had a, like a fight or, or something. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little tangential, but it's a funny anecdote. But he he was making brownies for his partner or something, and but he was really grumpy about it, and they had had a fight or something. And but he still made the brownies because he felt like he should do that. 
And so they ended up coming out like all burnt and gross. <laughs> and, they, and they ended up having this like angry mojo in them. So whenever I think about volunteering or or whatever it is, something that I am tempted to say yes to, even though I really don't want to, I think to myself, do I really want to bring like bad mojo to this thing? It's better for me to say no than to go into it with just bad, angry, burnt brownie mojo. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, so I want to, I actually want to come back to this topic about the elusive struggle for balance. I mean, I, I, a lot of people just hate that word, which is fine. You know, that's okay. And I, I do stand in amazement of you. I think you are awesome and for lots of reasons, but not the least of which that you're doing all these things and you actually have to get up and go to an office. I, you know, I, I'm a freelancer. I work entirely from home and the days that I do have to go for early morning meetings or, or speaking things or whatever, I think to myself, man, I don't know if I could do this every day. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> so I'd be curious to know how some of your about some of your research findings about balance and really how the fringe hours intersect with balance. Yeah, well, I will tell you the balance chapter was the hardest chapter for me to write. And mm. it's the first chapter in the book. And so I knew that I was going to be starting with balance. I didn't want to write about balance. Um, I'm one of those people who doesn't like that word. Um, I fall in that camp. I think that it's very difficult. Um, I think my life doesn't always reflect balance really well. And so um, it was really a struggle for me. Um, but as I dove into 
research and reading about, you know, other people who are experts in this area and conversations about balance and what that looks like for the modern woman today. One of the simplest things that I pulled from all of that are the definitions of balance. So there's actually two definitions of balance that I think we need to remember when we're talking about balance. The first is just that emotional stability, how you're feeling. And then the second is that harmonious arrangement. And I think often when we look at our calendars, we think we have balance because everything fits neatly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting home from work at 5.30 and then my son's soccer practice is at 6.15. Mm-hmm. That looks balanced. It looks like it all fits. There's no overlap. I'll be able to get home. But I don't take into account how I'm going to feel and how the house is going to feel with that 30 minutes that we have between getting home from work and eating dinner and getting Mm -hmm. the soccer gear on and going to the field and that sort of thing. Um, And I think that that is what we need to remember when we're saying no, when we're looking at our lives, when we're seeking that, that elusive balance of, of having that harmony is that, do we have both? Does it feel good? Do we have that emotional stability and do things fit well? On the calendar. And I think when those two things are jiving, then you have some sort of sense of balance. So we go back to the Smoky Mountains example. Yes, it looked like it was going to be just fine. That was an open weekend and we were going to be able to go. We weren't taking into account how we were going to feel mm-hmm. with everything else going on and the lack of sleep of a baby who, you know, doesn't sleep more than four hours, mm-hmm. you know? And so Um, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways for me. And as I've talked with other women about the notion of balance, I think it always comes back to that definition of, am I getting both the harmony of my calendar and the emotional stability of how I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think um, actually one thing I wanted to reference in your book that you talk about um, is another piece of the puzzle for finding balance is asking for help. Right. (laughs) And I think this is, um, I mean, it's something that I've certainly struggled with and I'm now getting pretty boss at, but (laughs) I'm curious, you know, from your work, why do you think it is so hard for women to ask for help? I think it's twofold. The easy answer is that it's finances. Mm. So Mm -hmm. when people think of getting help, they think of, you know, hiring somebody to come and clean was one of the biggest ones um, or hiring a handyman or someone to come and paint or someone to do landscaping or your laundry or whatever. But all of those things are rooted in money, right? That they cost something. And so they think that they can't afford it. And so without researching or figuring out any other, you know, maybe more affordable options, they just think, oh, a cleaning lady, that is something that I can't afford. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to figure out a way to do this. And then the other issue is pride. We oh, think that yeah. we should be able to do it all. You know, I, it's superwoman complex. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> you know, again, that comparison going back to those feelings of, you know, other people did it. I think about my mom who raised two kids and worked full time and our house was always clean and the laundry was always done and no one ever came to help her. So mm-hmm. why can I not do it? Like, what's wrong with me? I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad wife. I shouldn't need to ask for help. You know, these are the lies that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And really, my life is different than my mom's. You know, I, I, my career looks different than my mom's. I have another kid <laughs> than my mom had. And so um, life is just different. And so 
I do need that help, you know? And it took several years of my husband and I having conversations before we said, you know what, let's take a look at our budget. Let's find out what it costs. You know, we just had this assumption that it's going to be really expensive. And we found someone who is very affordable, who made a huge difference in our life and in the amount of time that I was spending. So I was spending an entire Saturday cleaning my house where this cleaning crew would come in and they were done in, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. And so that gave me back so much time that it was worth the investment. Oh, completely. Um, And so there's also freedom in that. And I think the more you ask for help, one, I can't cite it specifically, but um, anecdotally, I recall reading that um, there was research done that nearly 100% of people who say if they were asked to help somebody else, would they say yes? Say yes. Yes, mm-hmm. of course I would. You know, mm-hmm. if I, my husband is a wood carver and he, while I was pregnant, um, split his wrist pretty bad. The knife slipped and he cut his wrist. Um, and it was night and the kids were sleeping. I was barefoot and pregnant. And so we called an ambulance and she, my neighbor saw the ambulance come and I didn't even, we had, you know, not been in the neighborhood too terribly long and I didn't think to call her. And she texted me and said, are you guys okay? Can I do anything? Can I come over and stay with your kids? Oh, I love people. I love you your know? neighbor. That's and so awesome. Like, it was amazing. And my house was a hot mess. And, but I said, yes, please. That would be wonderful. And I mm-hmm. got dressed and I went to the hospital and I, in that instance, I didn't have to ask for help, but she was willing and offered. And had I thought, oh, I could call my neighbor, of course, duh, the ambulance is coming. Mm-hmm. She would have said yes. But I, I was prideful and trying to figure out how I could do all of this on my own, you know, do I wake the kids or do you just go in the ambulance and you text me or, you know? Um, and so I think our pride gets in the way. We think that we should be able to do it all. Um, when really we need to ask for help. Yes. I, you know, I, I have many funny things running through my head, but I, I should say that, um, when you brought up your mom, I was kind of laughing to myself because, and I have a great relationship with my mom. I love her. And she is a classic Korean traditionalist. So I'm actually one of seven. So I have many moments when I'm like, I don't know how you did this, mom. I mean, I think the answer was there was a lot of sibling rearing. <laughs> you know, I my I was the sixth. So really, my my older siblings were taking care of me. But when I first when John and I first got married and then when we had a kid, she she was very um, disturbed by the fact that I wouldn't have a hot meal on the table by the time he got home or that I wasn't ironing his underwear <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are things my mom actually used to do. She actually used right. to iron the sheets and iron the boxers. So I think um, not only would our, may our internal kind of radars go be going off, but then there are those explicit, you know, references that people might make to you. And I think the other thing I wanted to raise with um, the asking for help thing is that, there, yes, I agree. There are certain things worth making, um, adjusting the budget for like a cleaning person. Um, I, I'm 100% behind you on that. And I think that even within the house, I think it's sometimes we forget to ask help from our partners if we have the benefit of having one yes, or even our absolutely. kids. You know, yes. I am so pro kids doing chores. They are move out skills. I talk about this all the time. And, you know, as they grow, they really can help. And it's it's just so important to ask for help from the people who are just around you. Right. And that remembering that the people around you are not mind readers. You know, that I'm (laughs) cramming dishes in the kitchen and irritated that I'm cleaning up the dishes after I gave the kids a bath when, you know, my husband had a long day and he's relaxing on the couch and he doesn't that I care that I'm doing the dishes. Oh my God, we are the same person. (laughs) 
hey, babe, I could really use a little help in here, you know? And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and happy to do it. But I just need to speak up instead of letting it stew or again, trying to be superwoman. Um, I just need to say I need some help. (laughs) Yeah. No, the no festering zone. Yeah. At one point, John, we we had this exact same scenario play out. And then I was all pissy and grumpy and that was not very productive. And he said, he said, well, how about we do it like this? How about tomorrow we try where we both clean up together and actually use that time to kind of catch up about the day and catch up about the kids and whatever else. And it ended up being making the sort of cleanup very fun. You know, we were laughing, we were right. chatting and it was ended up being lovely reconnection time. I just had never, he's a very smart and emotionally evolved person. He's a therapist. So he has all these answers, but um, it just, it's funny when you said, don't be a mind reader. I was just kind of raising my hands like, yes, because I do that all the time. I just expect people to know what I need. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh, crazy. Okay. So I have a question for you. Um, so particularly when your life is full of work and kids and more work and a mountain of household things and countless boxer shorts to be ironed. <laughs> uh, some people may say, okay, no way, Jessica, I don't have any fringe hours. I don't have any fringe minutes. Or in my case, no way I can't possibly get up at 530 a.m to capture those fringe hours. And I would love to um, just, how would you respond to that? Yeah. So I think everyone does, right? Even if we just go back to that one single stat that you're waiting 45 to 60 minutes a day, right there, you've got some fringe hours. Mm -hmm. Um, But more specifically, I think that it's really important if you don't know where this time could be found in your own life, that you track your time for a week. So this is the same as tracking your eating, Mm, if you're doing Weight Watchers or something, Mm -hmm. or you are tracking your steps with your Fitbit. You can download a free little form on fringehours.com, or you can just use a notebook or a calendar, but you're literally tracking everything you do. You're tracking drop off to school and laundry and dishes and work and everything in 30 minute increments. And then after you do that for a week, you can really see where your time is being spent. You know, maybe you say you don't have any time, but you're watching television for an hour and a half every night. Well, Mm -hmm. there you go. You could maybe turn off the television one night to do this other thing that you would really enjoy doing. Or maybe you see that your nights are really busy and two of those nights are things that you don't really love doing and that Mm -hmm. you felt guilted into doing. And so how can you back out of those? How can you say no or reorganize your life so that your nights aren't so busy? Um, But I absolutely think that everybody has this time. It's just about making choice and prioritizing and making yourself a priority. You know, I talk with a lot of moms in particular who struggle with making time for themselves and practicing self-care. And I say, think about your child. You know, think about if they're little like mine are, you know, think about when they're in high school and they're involved in activities and they're doing a lot of work and maybe they have a job. Um, and you would see them doing all of these things. And let's say they were only getting five hours of sleep at night or they were really burned out or they were moody. You would say, you know what? You are not taking good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. We need to reorganize what you're doing. We need to take away an extracurricular. You need to work less hours. You need to be getting more sleep. You need, you would do everything in your power to make sure that your child was healthy and balanced Mm -hmm. and happy and doing things that they loved. And the same should be true for you. And I think when women live this way, we're also very good models, role models to our kids mm-hmm. of what it means to live a healthy life, um, that it's important for them 
to see us living this way. It's important for my kids if they wake up early to see mommy reading or Mm -hmm. writing or do things uniquely for her that she's uniquely gifted in, that that's going to pay dividends when they're adults and they're living their own lives. And so I would just say, crack your time for a week and really look at your schedule because I'll bet that you do have those fringe hours. You maybe just aren't either utilizing them or you're using your time in a way that is not bringing you joy. Yes. I think it's, you know, it's all about editing out, editing out that stuff that's not bringing you the joy, you know? And I, I, I just so agree. I think your book was such a good, and I, I find myself to be pretty efficient and really good at focusing on joy, like baked goods and making things. And um, don't but, talk about baked goods. I'm doing whole 30 right now oh, and no. I'm miserable. I, 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 I actually use some, the, I your actually banana use, cake right now. <laughs> I actually use the hashtag on Instagram. I'm, uh, you know, why I couldn't do whole 30 or why I would be terrible at whole 30 because I just <laughs> like baked goods. But, you know, your book really served as a good reminder to me to become more mindful about where those fringe hours or minutes are and to really spend them well. So, you know, we talked about the book example. It's just been, so great to, you know, save her 10 or 15 minutes with a great book instead of mindlessly browsing Facebook. No offense, Facebook. Right. Um, but it just <laughs> we it all really, do it. it is amazing how those little things that those little bits of time can get eaten up with, you know, things that just aren't very fulfilling. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you're on your deathbed and you think about your life and you think about the things that you enjoyed, you're not going to say Facebook. So why do we give it so much time? You know, <laughs> that's, oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. That's just like the decluttering example. You know, if you, if you lost it in a fire, would you replace it? What would right. you say on your deathbed? Yes. <laughs> I love Facebook. You know? <laughs> no one is saying that except Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> okay. So Jessica, we love to close each episode with what we call your next edit. It's a favorite actionable tip for listeners to carry forward from the show. And I would just, I would love to hear what your next edit is for this episode. I think my next edit is to look at the next six weeks, knowing that we do have a lot of travel going on. What can I say no to? Is it maybe that I cut back on my blog and I don't blog every day? Is it um, a particular commitment at work? Is it an extracurricular for my kids? Is it asking for help with some of my kids' extracurricular so that I'm not so stressed out? But what is that thing that I can say no to, that I can pull back so that I'm still making myself a priority so that my self-care doesn't go to the wayside because I have a really busy six weeks? And I think for our listeners, looking look at your life and figure out what is that thing that you need to say no to? What is that edit that you need to make to your schedule so that you have a bit more time to practice self-care and make time for those unique passions that you have? Friends, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful conversation with Jessica Turner. And thank you again, Adrian, for your beautiful letter. It truly touched my heart. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? 
Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.